Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May be seated. Trigger warning. Marriage is the topic of the day. After all, Jesus' first sign done in the Gospel of John is at a wedding in Cana. So if talking about marriage, perfect, God-pleasing, husband and wife marriage upsets you, as sometimes, even often it does me in my own life, then know from the start that in Christ, that is covered in His righteousness, we are forgiven and free from the guilt of screwing up marriage. In John's Gospel, Jesus' first miracle or sign that He is the Son of God takes place at a wedding in Cana. The narrative of the wedding is, is not in the other Gospels, their accounts, but it is not odd because each of the apostles use events to fit the way the Spirit moved them to write and tell us of the life of Jesus. Notice, I did not say story. The Gospels are accounts, eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus given to us so that we might hear, believe in Him, and be saved. The signs in John's Gospels are more than miracles. They are meant to point to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, none other than the Son of the living God. Look at the prologue at the beginning of John's Gospel and how it carefully explains how that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is telling us that Jesus is that Word of God. About the baptism of Jesus that we heard about last week, the Apostle John tells us in his first chapter, the Baptist testimony of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. I myself did not know him, but he who sent him to me to be baptized with water said to me, on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now in the second chapter, the signs begin to show that Jesus is who the baptizer said he was and who Jesus himself claimed to be, the Son of God. At the wedding, on the third day, I'm not sure how long your wedding celebration lasted, but ours was about six, possibly seven hours, not days. In Cana, this sounds like the third of quite possibly seven days of revelry, and there was a slight problem. They were out of wine. Oops. We did not run out of spirits at our wedding, I don't believe, and, and I doubt you did at yours either. But this one went dry. So Mary, who has pondered these things in her heart since Jesus' birth, tells him simply, they have no wine. In faith, she knows he has this. Even after him telling her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come that hour being his glorification by the Father, by his being lifted up onto the cross. Yet she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I picture her then just sort of walking off and leaving them, standing there, the servants looking at Jesus and his disciples going, huh? That Jesus' word, the stone jars are filled to the brim with water, six of them, holding 20 to 30 gallons each. 
Have you lifted one of those five-gallon water jugs at the grocery store lately? I remember a rhyme from science class. A pint's a pound, the world around. Sixteen ounces, a pound to a pint, eight pints to a gallon, forty pounds to forty pints to five gallons. That is at least 160 pounds of water per jar, possibly 240 times six. 30 to 36 of those five-gallon jugs. And without a hocus-pocus or any mystical word, Jesus simply tells them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Can you imagine the servant's amazement as what just milliseconds ago was plain water filled to the brim is now wine? As they drew it from the jars, they could see and they could smell it, much like when we uncover the elements up here, we can smell the sweetness of the wine. And the master of the feast tasted it, and he told the bridegroom, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Up to this point, the wedding feast was headed for a screeching end. Explanations likely to be demanded and given. How on earth could you let us run out of wine? Oh, and look at my parents. Look at them. They're so embarrassed. And, and people are leaving. And, and there are days of celebration left. We'll never live this day down. Our marriage is ruined. How is your marriage doing? Seriously. I ask because as sinners... We fail at marriage miserably. We fail at marriage even before we are married. Some in our lustful minds, some in our lustful acts, and we continue at it most of our lives. It's due to the evil urge and temptation to sin that lives in us. Running out of wine, hardly an issue. We run out of patience. We run out of time. We run out of interest. We run out of respect, and we run out of love for God and what He wants us to have in marriage. If you are single and active or tempted to be, don't think that because the two of you are not married, you're not cheating or committing adultery. God gave that activity for marriage, for procreation, where we take part in the most glorious and mysterious gift He has given the creatures He created in His image the gift of taking part in creating. One of the overwhelming issues facing pastors today is the problem of people choosing to live together before marriage. They don't get it. They don't see it as wrong or sinful or as adultery. They see it as economically expedient. They see it for many things. There's a simple cure to this sin, like all sin, confession of sin and absolution. That is forgiveness through Christ. The answer is forgiveness from God. Then separate. One move out until the day of the wedding or go straight to the courthouse, get the marriage license, and one of us will marry you on the spot. And then you can live in the blessed happiness of a God-pleasing marriage as you await. And are you ready for this? It's in our agenda. The public recognition of civil marriage or renewal of your wedding vows on the day of your choice. Yes, please, wear the white dress, wear the tux, have the big celebration with wine and all the trimmings. And if you're already married, how's it going? 
Have you run out of patience, run out of time, run out of interest or respect, or even running out of love? One of the other issues pastors also face is that of people knocking on the office door, in essence, to announce their divorce. The same cure applies, but it is easier sought earlier. Confession of sin and the Lord's sure word of absolution, pardon, forgiveness is the cure here too. We need it because we screw up marriage. It was our bridegroom at the wedding, the feast, that created wine from water. Wine that let the feast continue, and not with Tubak Chuck, but with wine that took their breath away. It was superb, perfect, nothing better to be desired or dreamed of. Jesus does all things well. And he wants to give us this in our marriages. And out of the side of our bridegroom was soon to flow his perfect sinless blood shed for you and I, given for his bride, the church, to drink for the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. It is Jesus in Ephesians who loves his bride and protects her with his own life, shielding her from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. It's tough work, guys. But that is what the bridegroom is to do. Protect his bride. Be her head. Raising a family to know, fear, and love the Lord. And she in love and thanksgiving submits to his headship despite his other failings. And hint, hint, us guys are not perfect. But you know that already. And ours is not a position of Lord and Master, but a position of loving service to death if need be. Christ-like. For Jesus, it indeed was love unto death to save us poor, miserable sinners. So how is your marriage? In need of some confession and absolution here today as the church, as we confess our sins and receive his body and blood for forgiveness and strengthening of our faith? Possibly it's needed just between the two of you, confessing and absolving one another of your sins, or with one of your pastors. Sometimes that is what is needed, sooner rather than later. But what if Jesus had performed your wedding and not your pastor? What if Jesus had performed the wedding at Cana? In reality, he did. He blessed it with his presence. He was there. That is why weddings are best taken place in the church, right here at the altar. God has blessed the marriage between one man and one woman since the beginning of creation, and it is a wonderful estate to enter into here where we confess our sins and receive forgiveness together. Jesus did a greater thing at the wedding at Cana. He did not show himself as simply the rabbi or the teacher that might officiate the wedding, but with the sign of turning water into wine, he showed himself to be the very Son of God who would clean up the sinful mess that would come within that and all marriages. Living in our sinful flesh, marriage is not easy, but it is a God-given, pleasing, and blessed estate in which families and children are cared for and loved as Christ has cared for and loved his church. 
And with forgiveness of sins, with fear, love, and trust in God, husband and wife can love and honor one another as the fourth commandment of God tells us to do and be joyfully bonded as God wills. For as long as God wills, until one is called home to be with him. Next time you open that bottle of wine for dinner, after a long day, or just to sit down and relax with your husband and wife, smell the wine, taste it. Think of Cana. Think of our Lord and how at his word water was turned into marvelous wine that saved that wedding feast and pointed to him as our bridegroom that will bring us his cleansed and perfect bride washed in his blood to his side for eternity. Then forgive and love each other in the forgiveness we have in Christ and give thanks for the blessing of marriage. In the name of Jesus. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.